0: Well, good morning. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nicola and I'm going to be uh, talking to you this morning. Let me just pray before I start. Father, may these spoken words be faithful to your written word and lead us to the living word, Jesus Christ our Lord. So, some of you may know that I travel quite a lot for work. Uh, Last week I had the pleasure of spending a a day in London when the previous day it had been 90 degrees, so uh, not particularly pleasant. Uh, And uh, right now it's fairly frequent journeys up and down to Edinburgh that I'm doing. Uh, And a couple of weeks ago I settled down in my seat uh, and I really couldn't help but hear the conversation. The people who were in the row behind me sensed it was a group of friends probably as a bit of a distraction from the tension of taking off or the tedium of travelling, uh, they started playing the game, would you rather? I'm sure you know the sort of thing. Uh, would you rather kiss Boris Johnson or marry Donald Trump? <laughs> uh, much laughter, a bit of a discussion of the pros and cons, which would be worse. Um, and uh, and so this continued, but um, towards the end, there was a question that, you know, maybe, had a bit more tension to it. Would you rather have more money and possessions than anyone else in the world or live in a cave and own nothing? Again, very interesting discussion on the positives and negatives, but perhaps surprisingly, no great conclusion on which way was better. As we look at this passage about the, uh, the rich ruler and what Jesus has to say about wealth and material possessions, We might be tempted to think that Jesus is asking a similar would you rather stark choice question between having it all and having nothing. Some difficult questions perhaps come to mind. Does Jesus value those who are poor more than those who are rich? Do you have to give up all your possessions in order to follow Jesus? Can wealth alone keep you out of the kingdom of God? These are quite challenging questions and as we look at this passage together perhaps we'll just have a chance to have a, a better understanding of what jesus has to say about wealth and possessions and get to the heart of what he was saying to this rich ruler and continues to say to us today so i'm going to have a look at what jesus uh, is teaching about wealth in luke's gospel so we'll have a little look back at some of the other things we've looked at over the previous few weeks. I'm going to look at what Jesus really has to say specifically to this rich ruler. And finally, what is Jesus saying to us today about our worldly wealth and our possessions and the role they have to play in God's kingdom? So first, we're going to do a very quick overview of what Jesus has been saying about wealth in Luke's gospel. And actually, I'm stretching that a bit. I'm going to to go into Acts, which was also written by Luke. So, through Luke's gospel, there seems to be a common theme of our stuff, our material possessions, our money, getting in the way of following Jesus, getting in the way of living the life that we're called to live in God's kingdom. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is teaching on the blessings and the woes, and in verse 24, one of the woes is against the rich. Seems very strong. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. In contrast, in verse 20, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. In Luke 12, we looked previously at the story of the rich fool who stored up material possessions in times of plenty. In verse 20, in Luke 12, God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And then, as we extend into Act, in Acts 5, we see the terrible consequences for Ananias and Sapphira, who die because they lie about the wealth they had promised to give for God's kingdom. It seems it's not the money itself that's being condemned in Jesus' teaching, but he's looking into the heart of the individuals, and seeing what is most important in their lives. A couple of years ago, Justin Welby, who's the current archbishop, he was himself a trained financial professional before he was ordained, wrote a a Lent study book called Dethroning Mammon. Uh, And it's worth a read if you've not not read it yourself. In fact, I think I bought a copy with me if anybody would like to borrow it. Um, And the book looks at... Much more detail about the power and drive of secular economies and contrast them with God's economy. But there were four chapter headings that really struck me when I when I picked it up. And it gives a real summary of the dangers of wealth and possession as taught by Jesus. So the first one is what we see we value. What we measure controls us. What we have we hold. What we receive we treat as our own. All of those maxims or ways of living in the worldly economy are really the complete opposite of what Jesus is teaching here about living in God's kingdom economy. So does Jesus condemn all material things and all wealth? Is wealth a stumbling block that will stop anyone from entering God's kingdom? It does seem that Jesus does not always condemn wealth. We know from Luke chapter 9 that Jesus lives a simple and sparse lifestyle. We hear him saying, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In Luke 8, we see that others with money and possessions, women in particular, contribute financially to his ministry. In Luke 23, at Jesus' death, Joseph of Arimathea uses his wealth to buy a private tomb for Jesus' burial. In Acts, we see the early church that included people with substantial material resources. They had large homes that were offered as places for Christians to meet together. They had financial wealth which was used to support the apostles and advance God's kingdom. We see a pattern in Jesus' teaching and which has continued to be lived out by the early church, it's not a call to get rid of everything that you possess. It's a call for each individual to renounce the status and power they have because of the material things and surrender those possessions and that wealth to serve God's purpose. So what does Jesus have to say specifically to the rich young ruler? So let's start at the beginning, looking at verse 18. Verse 18, it's really what the ruler particularly said to Jesus. Verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Seems he's starting with a flawed question. He seems to be starting from the idea that eternal life is based on something we do. Jesus brings him back to the basics. No one is good and he gives a simple explanation of the law that the rich ruler clearly knows well. Verse 19, why do you call me me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. To us, this statement by the ruler that he's kept all the laws might seem particularly self-righteous and smug. But in Jesus' time, other devout Jews may have said the same thing. Jesus' response is to speak very specifically to the rich ruler. Directly to him, he says, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come, follow me. But something is stopping this man from being able to completely surrender and follow God. Jesus has spoken to the ruler about the commandments, but he's pointing out that there's something wrong at the heart of his spiritual life. He doesn't explicitly mention the commandment that we see in Deuteronomy 5, Verse 7, you shall have no other gods before me. But he is pointing out in what he's saying that the rich ruler's treasure has become the centre of his life, not God. This man's possessions, wealth, treasure are standing in the way of him and God. Jesus gives him a very specific call to give up that security, that self-sufficiency, that self-reliance, comes from his earthly treasure, and redirect his reliance and trust on God. Jesus is pointing out that to find eternal life, this rich ruler needs to leave behind his worldly economy and invest in God's economy. In verse 23, we have this response. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. I'm struck that we don't hear another word from the rich ruler. Seems that he is overwhelmed by the challenge of giving up his wealth. It seems that he just walks away from Jesus and his teaching. Jesus, in response, talks about how difficult it is for those burdened by their possessions to cross into the kingdom of God. He uses this picture of the largest animal known to his listeners, the camel, and something very small that would also be very familiar with, the eye of a needle. Most current biblical scholars and archeologists agree that there's no particular evidence for the popular explanation that we've probably heard before that Jesus is talking about a gate in Jerusalem that's difficult to enter. Our version in the NIV uses the phrase, how hard. Perhaps it should be more accurately translated as, how impossible. This is a simple, ridiculous image of an impossible thing. The disciples and the others listening are shaking by what Jesus had to say to this rich ruler. They come from a tradition and a culture where people who have wealth and material possessions are considered to have been blessed by God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus is coming back to the rich ruler's first question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he reminds his listeners, then and today, there is nothing we can do. It is impossible for us to save ourselves. It is only God who can save. So what is Jesus saying to us today about our worldly wealth and possessions? and their role in his kingdom. (coughs) Let's step back and look at the context of this story of the rich ruler. In chapter 18, verses nine to 13, Jesus has told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And as David Holden-White, who preached last week, reminded us, this is a story of humility. Jesus turns things upside down. It's a radical reversal of the worldly view of power and influence and in verse 14 he says for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted so having heard that story of humility how then did the disciples respond in verse 15 we hear people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them when the disciples saw this they rebuked him It seems that very quickly they've forgotten what he'd been teaching. Jesus is using these babies as a living parable and an illustration for something the disciples needed to hear. In verse 16 he says, Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. We see this picture of Jesus welcoming little children into the kingdom in the other Gospels, but Luke here, specifically, is using the Greek word brephos, meaning babies. It's the same word that used to describe the swaddled baby Jesus in Luke chapter 2. It's a picture of a helpless, wrapped baby carried in its parents' arms, a picture of complete dependence on external resources for everything that they need. They bring nothing, no power, no resources, no wealth, And yet the kingdom of God belongs to them. It's in the context of this picture of swaddled babies, completely dependent on the resources of their loving parents, that Jesus then speaks to the rich ruler in verses 18 to 30. He looks into the rich ruler's heart and asks the question, what are you trusting in? And is it separating you from the true life-giving relationship with God? I'm very challenged by this picture of swaddled babies. I'm a white, British, middle-class professional. I bring so much power, influence in my life. How much am I trusting trusting in my own self-sufficiency and ability to take care of myself materially? Am I fully reliant and trusting God for my ultimate well-being in his kingdom? So let's have a wreath, just a a step back of what we've looked at on this passage. Jesus' teaching on money and material possessions in Luke and Acts has shown they can be a stumbling block in our relationship with God and our participation in God's kingdom. Our stuff, whatever that might be, can get in the way of living the kind of radical life that Jesus is calling us to live. However, we've also seen that money and possessions can be a powerful resource to advance God's kingdom. And followers of Jesus who have significant resources are called to use them to serve God's purpose. Jesus is not giving us a would you rather choice about living a life of wealth and not entering the kingdom or living a life of poverty and being welcomed in. Jesus is challenging us to look at the condition of our hearts. Even if you feel you have nothing, no possessions, no wealth, what is the desire of your life? Where are you putting your trust? What are you relying on? Jesus' impossible and ridiculous picture of this huge camel trying to squeeze through the tiny eye of a needle is a reminder of the impossibility of entering God's kingdom and receiving eternal life through our own effort. Nothing we own, possess, or bring before God can enable us to enter his kingdom. Jesus is calling us to accept that in his death and resurrection, he is the only way to receive eternal life. We need to come before God, like the swaddled babies, fully reliant on Jesus for everything that we need. So as we prepare to come before God and share together in communion, just a few questions you might like to reflect on. How do you see your possessions? Are they temporary things you have stewardship over and could be used in God's service? Are your possessions, your stuff, your money, stopping you from fully trusting and relying on God and letting him transform your life is god speaking you, to you this morning prompting you to think about letting go of some things giving up some things leaving some things behind for the sake of the kingdom of god i'm just going to read the final verses of this passage verses 28 to 30. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age as in the age to come eternal life.